Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Guys, I was reading an article from a publication called Our Daily Bread. Maybe you've heard of it. But this was dated on March 22nd, uh, 1994, and I'd like to share it with you this evening. It's about a fella by the name of Bruce Goodrich. You go, Bruce Goodrich, who is that? Well, not very many people know him. He wasn't famous. He didn't do outstanding things in his life. As a matter of fact, Bruce Goodrich was just a normal kid about to enter college. And the story goes like this. It says, Bruce Goodrich was being initiated into the cadet corps at Texas A&M University. And one night, Bruce was forced to run until he dropped. But he never got up. Goodrich died before he even entered college. A short time after this horrific tragedy, Bruce's father wrote a letter to the administration, faculty, student body, and the corps of cadets. And he writes, quote, I would like to take this opportunity to express the appreciation of my family for the great outpouring of concern and sympathy from Texas A&M University and the college community over the loss of our son, Bruce. We were deeply touched by the tribute paid to him in the battalion. We were particularly pleased to note that his Christian witness did not go unnoticed during his brief time on campus. Mr. Goodrich went on to say, I hope it will be some comfort to know that we harbor no ill will in the matter. We know our God makes no mistakes. Bruce had an appointment with the Lord and is now secure in his celestial home. When the question is asked, why did it happen? The father goes on to write, perhaps one answer will be so that many will consider where they're going to spend eternity. Church, I would like to talk to you tonight about the blessings of forgiveness. You see, last week we learned all about repentance. We know what repentance is, church. We, we learned about repentance, and that's, that's not a whole lot of, 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 of churches and pastors and, and, and leaders talking about repentance. But repentance is changing your direction. It's changing your mindset. And we talked all about repentance. But tonight, we need to understand what I would call the basics of forgiveness. The basics of forgiveness. And so you might be going, well, so what is forgiveness? Well, let me put it to you this way. One couple described it like this. Forgiveness. A married couple for 15 years having been you know, had their having more than their usual disagreements. They wanted to make their marriage work and agreed that the agreed on an idea that the wife had. For one month, they planned to drop a slip in a fault box. The boxes would provide a place to let each other know on a day about daily irritations. And so the wife was diligent in her efforts and her approach, leaving the jelly top off the jar, boom, in the box. Wet towels on the floor, boom, in the box. Dirty socks not in the hamper, boom, in the box. On and on and on until the end of the month. 
After dinner one night, at the end of the month, well, they exchanged boxes. The husband reflected on what he had done wrong. You go, like what? Well, remember, like the jelly top off the jar. Squeezing the toothpaste in the middle. Who does that? Shaving and letting your whiskers fall all over the sink. Not me. The wife opened her box and began reading. And they were all the same message. Each slip said, I love you. I love you. Church, listen. Can we, can we all agree we're going to make mistakes? We're all going to sin, but when we keep silent about it, I believe we're robbing ourselves of the joy that we have in forgiveness. You see, the cross has the final word, and it speaks loudly. We know all of our faults. We know all of our sins. We know all of our shortcomings. We know when we mess up. And you know what the cross? The cross opens the box and he says, I love you. I love you. Not holding that against you. And I thought, wow. Wow. Now, the Bible, guys, describes forgiveness like this. If you're taking note, think about this. There are two types of forgiveness that appear in the Bible. You go, what's that? The first one is God's pardon for our sins, right? We talked about that. That's the cross. The second is our obligation to forgive others. Well, the subject of forgiveness, guys, is important because our eternal destiny depends on it. So let's chat for just a moment. You go, Pastor, what is forgiveness? What is forgiveness by God? Okay. Well, here it is. Man is born with a sinful nature. Adam and Eve disobeyed God in the Garden of Eden, and they and, and we... Every say we, we've been sinning against God ever since. Now you go, wait a minute, wait a minute, not we, that person, my wife, my spouse. No, 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 no. Listen, listen, listen. I love Nehemiah's heart when he's crying out, and I love when he says, we have sinned against you. And throughout scriptures, there are many people who said, we've sinned against you. We've sinned against you. And so we've been sinning against the Lord ever since. And yet God loves us too much to let us destroy ourselves. So what did he do? He provided a way for us to be forgiven that that way is Jesus Christ. And Jesus confirmed that in no uncertain terms when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me, was to send Jesus, his only son, to sacrifice for our sins. Everybody got that? I mean, that's, that, that in itself is, is exhilarating in the times that we're living in. Why? Church, there are a lot of us who look at the times and we go, okay, hurricane, hurricane, earthquake, hurricane, earthquake, fires, wow, destruction, I can't believe this. I mean, I mean, think about this. I was talking to Pastor Terry just a few minutes ago. Do you realize some, do you guys realize some, how many of you heard of the Equifax breach? Who's, who's heard of that? A few? Do you realize that Pastor Terry being in the banking business just said that that could collapse the whole monetary system? 
You go, why? Banks won't give you a loan because they don't know if you have good credit or bad. In light of all of this, you go, Pastor, that's scary. No, no, no. In light of this, guys, we see that Jesus came and he sacrificed for you and me. And that sacrifice was necessary to satisfy God's justice. Moreover, guys, that sacrifice had to be perfect and spotless. Why? Because of our sinful nature, we cannot repair our broken relationship with God on our own. No matter how we try. No matter how we try. Only Jesus was qualified to do that. As a matter of fact, Matthew 26 and 28 says, For this is my blood of the new covenant, which was shed for many for the remission of sins. And we know what happened, right? The next day, Jesus died on the cross, taking my punishment and atoning for our sins. Of course, we know the gospel, don't we, church? After the third day, he resurrected I've stood and I looked in the tomb. I've gone in. I stepped back and it's glorious because he resurrected. And I'm telling you guys, if you go to Israel with us in 2019, I'm telling you the implications and, and the weight of that you won't get. It's just so overwhelming. But then you come back and you let it sink and you go, he's alive. He's alive. I was driving to church the other day and I was thanking Jesus for being alive, for dying and coming back to life. And I know a lot of people have died and come back to life. We see Lazarus in the Bible. I'm sure there were the other ones. But Jesus is the only one who's come back and stayed that way. He's alive. He's alive. I'm just like, I'm excited. Why? Well, where, where is he if he's alive? He's in all of you. Do you realize that you, do people see Jesus in you every single day? In a prayer, in a smile. Do you realize that? Do you realize the dark world we live in, that a simple smile, wherever you are, can brighten up someone's day? Do you realize that, that you and I should be super encouragers? Hey, you're going to be all right. I'm proud of you. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. We understand forgiveness, amen? So, number two, what is the forgiveness of others? Because we, we've learned, man, I need forgiveness. And so the second point is, as believers, our relationship with God is restored, but what about our relationship with our fellow human beings? The Bible states that when someone hurts us, we are under obligation to God to forgive that person. Wait a minute, Pastor, now you're stepping on my toes. Well, jot this down, guys. Matthew 6, 14 and 15. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Church, listen to me. I understand that there are some things that you go, man, I just don't want anything to do with that. Are you telling me? And, and, but listen, we have to have an attitude and a heart that's ready to forgive. Does that mean that the person that hurt me comes over and we have dinner and I, listen, that doesn't mean you all BFF. You see what I'm saying? But you need to have a heart to forgive. You need to have a heart to let it go because what happens is if you don't, the root of bitterness in your heart of unforgiveness is going to sprout up and it's going to keep you in bondage. It is. It's going to keep you in bondage and you're going to be bummed. 
going to be, just let it go. Let it go. Let it go. That song is old. Okay. Pastor, what do I do if I refuse to forgive? You know that refusing to forgive some someone is a sin? If we receive forgiveness from God, we must give it to others who've hurt us. We can't hold grudges or seek revenge. We are to trust God for justice and forgive the person who offended us. Don't you think the body of Christ would be so more powerful if we took a minute and to let all those offenses go? Hey, I'm right with you. Listen, I ain't up here going, yeah, you do what I do. No, there's a, there, I'm just like, Lord, I don't want to preach this because then I have to forgive and I don't want to forgive. That person hurt me. And... But the Lord says, no, no, have an attitude of forgiveness. Let it go. Let it go. This is what the Bible says. Forgiveness means, guys, listen, ready? Releasing the other from blame, leaving the event in God's hands and moving on. Do you, any of you know what stress is? Anybody, everybody stressed out? Does stress ever come knocking at your door? You know, you're like, look, I'm not going to be stressed out today. Hello? <laughs> I read that, I read something today on Facebook, don't judge me, uh, that said stress is wanting something to happen right now, but faith in God is putting it in His time. I needed that. I needed that. Because I'm, I'm a fixer. I want to fix it. Let's fix this now. Let's fix it. God, why aren't you fixing this? God, why aren't... God's like, listen, it's in my time. I got this. I got this. I got this. So tonight, church, I'm calling this message the blessing of forgiveness. For tonight, we discover that David... After his sin with Bathsheba, the murder of Uriah, he understands, he gets, he gets the blessing of being forgiven. And if you're taking notes, David's going to share four basic facts about sin and forgiveness that we believers need to understand and apply. You ready? Jot this down. Number one, we need to understand the blessing of, or yes, the blessing of acceptance. The blessing of acceptance. That's going to be very powerful. That's number one. Number two, David's going to say, here's, here's fact number two. We need to understand the, full, the, the fact of, of the foolishness of unrepentance. The foolishness of unrepentance, where David's like, David, you should repent. Ain't going to do it. Ain't going to do it. Nope, 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 nope. I'm good. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Uriah got killed. He got killed in battle. That's what everybody needs to know. The baby's mine now. Okay. It's all good. And he had the foolishness of unrepentance. Number three, we're going to see the way of deliverance. He's going to give us that fact. The way of deliverance. And number four, he's going to give us the joy of obedience. The joy of obedience. Pastor, can you read those again? Because you talk fast. I know. The blessing of acceptance the foolishness of unrepentance, the way of deliverance, and the joy of obedience. Now, 
Remember last week, guys, we set the stage. If you recall, 2 Samuel chapter 11, guess what? You know the story. David should have gone out. He shouldn't have been there. He gets up from his siesta in the middle of the afternoon, walks out on his balcony and goes, wow, look at her. He sees Bathsheba and she's taking a bath. David should have, would have, could have, let's admonish David. He should have just left it alone. David didn't. He says, yowzer, yowzer, yowzer. Let me hit her up on Facebook, see who that is. Friend, 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 look at that. Snapchat, let's do this thing. Calls her up. You guys know the story. You know the story. Gets her pregnant. And then realizes, probably knew, didn't realize, but understands that she's married. And, you know, one of his BFFs, it's Uriah. I mean, the Bible says that they, he was one of his guys. And so he does what all of us would do, right? What do we do when we sin? Let's cover it. I don't want anybody to see. Let's cover it. I know. Uh, send Uriah back. Uriah comes in. Uriah, how you doing, man? Good to see you. Fighting's tough. Fighting's tough. I'll take a break. Go, go be with your wife. Do you know what Uriah does? He says, no, thank you. I can't do this. I'm an honorable man. I can't do this while my fellow countrymen are out there sleeping on the ground. No, Uriah. Okay, okay. Dude, the dude is whack, man. Just, it's your wife. Look at her. What does he do? He gets Uriah drunk. Here, have some more wine. Now that you're drunk, go home. Uriah still doesn't. David has, what does he do? He has two choices, same choices we have every day. What are, what are our choices, church? Number one, we can come clean. I blew it. I'm sorry. I've sinned. Please forgive me, or we can cover it up. What does David do? Covers it up. He says, oh, Joab, kill him. Uriah dies. We know the story, right? Church, Listen. Listen, sometimes when we stand in this place and we want to cover our sin, can we, can we be honest in church? It never ends well, does it? The same thing with David. You know the story. David's sitting at home. He's got Doritos on his side. He's got a nice Diet Coke to his right. He's on his recliner. In comes the prophet Nathan, tells him a story. David gets outraged. He says, kill the guy. You know, it's all about the lamb. We talked about it last week. And Nathan looks at him and says, David, you're the man. You did that. At that point, David's continence fell. He realized. And Nathan says, but God has forgiven you. But there's consequences to your sin. Everybody say consequences. Because there are, right? There's consequences to our sin. And it doesn't mean that God doesn't love us. It means that there's consequences to our sin. And so, and so David says, okay, well, I'm going to pray through these consequences. And maybe... Maybe the child won't die. Well, we know that the child dies, and so David gets up and says, okay, Lord. And they're freaked out. They're like, dude, seriously, you over here, you wouldn't eat while the baby's alive, and now that he's dead, you're not even mourning. He goes, no, no, because I'm going to go to him. He's not going to come back to me. Super strong reference that we're going to go to heaven. We're going to go see our loved ones. We were talking about the rapture the other day. It has nothing to do with the story, but we were talking about the rapture the other day. And then, you know, the rapture could happen, right? Boom, we're out of here. And it's, and, and, and if we're shooting straight, we're worried. We're worried about the rapture. Not, not, not so much for us, but maybe the people that are left behind, the chaos that's going to happen, everything else, okay? But Nathalie says, but you know what? 
She says, I'm kind of excited. Why? Because I get to see my grandma and I get to see your dad and I get to see all those that have gone before us. They're waiting there. And they're, they're, they're more alive than we are. All our loved ones that we've longed to see are waiting. And that's what David said. David says, listen, I'm going to go see him. I'm going to go see him. I'm going to go see him. Well, in chapter chapter 12, towards the end, verse 13, so David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord has put away your sin. That's a good place for an amen. He says, you shall not die, David. And he goes on. But there's a couple of things I want you to see before we get into Psalm 32. Church, realize when we sin, all sin is against who? God. Pastor David sinned against Bathsheba, Uriah, I mean, the whole nine yards. But, but guys, when we sin, we sin against God. Why? Because when we do something contrary to his word and we willingly do it, here's the line. Lord, that's the line. Yes, sir, that's the line. Don't cross it. Not, not even a little like this, Lord? No, don't cross it. Can I kind of skirt it a little bit? No, don't cross it. Iniquity is when we go, I crossed it anyway. Do you realize what you have to do to get here? You realize? You have to question God's truth. You have to, you have to suppress the word of God. You have to suppress the truth. And then you have to question his character on who he is. Well, what do you mean that? Well, God says don't do it. You did it anyway, so now you're suppressing the truth. You're questioning his character because now you're saying you know more than God. And so, and so, I mean, that's, that's, what, that's what David did. David says, listen, listen, I sinned against the Lord. Church, okay, open book question. If all sin is against the Lord, even though we're dealing with each other, we're dealing with people, okay, and we've sinned against people, if all sin against the Lord, who's the first person we should ask forgiveness from? The Lord. Second question. Guys are 100% so far. Second question. Is that where it should end? What should we do? We should go to some, we should ask the person we offended to forgive us. But we've sinned against God, so we go, God, please forgive me. I'm so sorry. <sighs> I feel better now. God forgave me. I feel good. And then the person that you Hurt is still what? Still hurt. And it's so much better to go and say, you know what, will you, will you please forgive me for this? Do I have to, do I have to, do I, do I have to ask him forgiveness for what I did? We should, right? I used to tell Nathalie, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? And she'd go for what? Well, you know. Come on, big boy. I'd be like, ah, oh, don't make me say it. I already know I was stupid. I know I was dumb. Come on. What? No, because, because if I'm willing to commit that sin, I'm willing to what? I need to go and ask for forgiveness. Will you please forgive me for being me? Maybe let's be more specific. <laughs> David says, I've sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord has put away your sin. You won't die. You won't die. So with that as our intro, church, let's look at Psalm 32. It's a great psalm. It's a blessing. So point number one, verses one and two, let's talk about the blessing of acceptance. 
David writes. Now, you, you know he writes after he's busted, after he's confessed. He got it off his chest, right? Here he says, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, in whose spirit there is no deceit. Now, that is a great verse. Now, we need to note something very important. You go, why? I want you to realize that instead of diving into his plethora of sins, I did this, God, and I did that, and I... Where does he start off? He starts off, David jumps into a song of praise. David jumps in, blessed, oh, how blessed. You go, what does that mean? It means, oh, how happy, how happy is the man. Church, if you do not realize your sins, now let me say this, your past sins are gone. Your present sins are gone. And everything you're going to do after 8.30 where you won't be here are gone. Shouldn't you be happy? Shouldn't you be happy? Right? So why are Christians walking around like Eeyore? How you doing? Good. I'm forgiven. You want to be a Christian too? Be just like me. Oh, gosh. We're forgiven. We're forgiven. All of it. All that's gone. Anybody ever use the delete button on the computer and it's all gone? Well, what do you do? You just freak out. It's gone! Right? Can you imagine your sins? Now, I know none of you have bad attitudes ever. Never wake up in a bad mood. And you all wake up without having your coffee. You wake up in such a good mood. Do you realize that all those are gone? When the Lord looks at you, he looks at Jesus. How happy should we be? Oh, happy. Now think about this. Think about this. Here's what I want. Let's, let's get a little bit deep here. You've heard me say many times, in order for news to be good, it has to invade bad spaces. You've heard me say that, right? Well, the same principle applies here. You ready? If you're a note taker and you like taking notes and you want to refer back, check this out. To know the blessing of forgiveness, you need to feel the burden of guilt. To know the blessing of forgiveness you need to feel the burden of guilt. And I believe it's noteworthy that David didn't just say, oh, blessed is the man who's forgiven. He goes into detail. He understands the what, church? The burden of guilt. Why? Because he uses what? He uses three different words to explain what's going on. You go like what? He uses transgression. He uses transgression. You guys ready? You know what transgression is? Rebellion. Rebellion. Refusing to submit to rightful authority. That's what transgression means. What did he say? Oh, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven. He was rebellious. Are you rebellious? He uses the other word. What's the other word? He says sin. We talked about that. It's the Greek word harmony. It means missing the mark. You've completely missed the mark. David says, I've missed them. Not only was I rebellious, but I missed the mark. And if that didn't bug you enough, he says, not only that, but I, I use the word iniquity. In, it, it's from a word meaning being bent or twisted. It has a nuisance of perverting that which is right or the error from away. In other words, he says, I walked crooked in my ways. 
So not only am I rebellious, God, I'm not going to listen to you. Not only am I going, I'm missing the mark completely. He says, my life is crooked. My, I'm just, it's bent. I'm out of shape. It's not working. And so David says, but blessed, happy, happy is the man who understands his sin. But he also employs the term forgiveness. You go, what is forgiveness? Well, the word here means to carry, to bear, to take away burden. Our sin is a burden which God himself bears and takes away. Let me ask you this, church, do you understand forgiveness? I found an interesting illustration. I'm going to give it to you. I'm not sure it's going to make the point, but think about this. It's like this. If I had run up a million-dollar charge account bill at a department store, and I didn't have $10 to my name, there was no way I can pay the debt, but the store informs me that the charge number on my card actually charged to a debt to another man's account, and that man was a multimillionaire, and he was willing to pay it on my behalf, that's equivalent to forgiveness. In other words, that's what God has done for us in Christ. We owed a debt, guys, we owed an unpayable debt for our sin. We couldn't pay it. See, I think, I think the movie industry gave it, did a disservice on movies like Left Behind. Why? Because when you think of the rapture, Paul tells us to comfort one another with these words, and yet it brings fear to a lot of people. Why? Because they think they're going to be left behind. And I'll tell you why they think they're going to be left behind. Because they think that they had, they should have been working for God to earn the right to go to heaven. I didn't do enough for God. I should have done more. I don't know. And then, and then to look at my sins and I should have, oh my gosh. And then, and, but we, when you understand forgiveness, guys, when you understand it, all of that's gone. It's the debt. You just, the debt of sin. What does God do? He put it on Jesus at the cross. Wow. And when we trust, What he did, God credits our account paid in full and even adds the righteousness to Christ to our account. What a sweet deal, right? You ever looking for a sweet deal? Check it out. Your sins are forgiven and now you have the righteousness of Christ in you. That's a sweet deal. If you're taking note, jot this down. It's called the doctrine of imputation and it means credit from one account to another. Paul, in his postcard to Philemon, tells them, whatever Onesimus owes you, whatever debt, Paul says, put it on my account, I will pay. I will pay. When we owe our sin, we find the joy of being faithfully forgiven. When we own our sin, there's true joy, because we find the joy of knowing that we're forgiven. Why? Because of the doctrine of imputation. It's credited to my account. Could you imagine you going to the ATM tomorrow and you're going to take out $10 so you can buy a cup of coffee at 7-Eleven and you take out $10 and you hit balance and all of a sudden you realize that you have this many numbers in your balance and there's not a negative. I mean, that's like, like and you're like, how did this get to my account? <laughs> I'm a millionaire. That's the same way, guys, when he sees that. And, and when God sees you, he's like, it's Jesus. There's your account. There's your account. See, we need to understand 
forgiveness, the acceptance. What did I do? Number two, the foolishness of unrepentant. Verse three, David says, when I kept silent, my bones grew old. Through my groaning all day long, for day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. Now, I want you to know how foolish you and I can be when we refuse to come clean. Now, I say you and I, when we refuse to come clean. Now, think about this, guys. Think about this. You guys remember Cain? He was a brother to Abel in Genesis chapter 4. Do you remember the story? Knowing that Cain had basically taken his failing heart to God, immediately stepped in, and God warned him, and he said, listen, let me tell you about your heart condition, Cain. He says in Genesis chapter 4, 6, and 7, why are you so angry? And why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, won't you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at your door. What was God saying? God was saying, Cain, listen to me. Don't mope around. Come clean and be ready to offer more excellent sacrifice. Moreover, he warned him that sin was waiting to pounce at him if he did not budge. Well, as the story goes, we know Cain did not heed the word of God and he did not change his mind. You go, Pastor, what was the point? Guys, he stayed unrepentant. He didn't act in accordance to what he knew. You go, what did he know? He knew that he could, he could try his sacrifice again, and that he could ask God for instructions on what to do. Did he ask God for instructions? No, he became prideful. He's like, no, I'm not going to do this. And you guys know the story. It was Martin Luther once said, sin has but two places where it may be. Either it may be with you so that it lies upon your neck or upon Christ, the Lamb of God. If now it lies upon your neck, you're lost. If, however, it lies upon Christ, you are free and will be saved. If your sin is upon Christ, you enjoy the blessing of a clean conscience. Guys, it's time to be honest with the Lord. We've sinned against you, Lord. And here's what we do. In an effort to self-preserve, we keep silent. We keep silent. Notice verse 4. He says, for day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned to drought, the drought of summer, Selah. Charles Spurgeon once said, God does not permit his children to sin successfully. Ever try it? Ever try it? Try to get away with it? You go, Pastor, I got away with it. Maybe you're not his kid. Because I know, listen, listen. Mom, mommies and daddies in here, you know when you you know you, I mean God's given moms like like special radar I'm telling you and they know when their kid is they know you don't get away with it do you kids your kids don't get away with it I never got away with it Natalie would be in the living room and I'd sneak into the kitchen and I'd be getting some chocolate and she'd go Benita what are you doing how does she know what I was doing leave the chocolate alone <laughs> I was like, wow, I'm not you're one of your kids I'm going down to the basement and eat this alone. That's what I'm going to do. You can't have any either. We don't get away with it, guys. We don't get away with sin, do we? We don't get away with sin. Think about David for a second, right? I wonder what he looked like. At this point, he probably looked really old, right? And he's probably thinking, you know, 50 is the new 70. I mean, I don't know what he's thinking opposite, right? He's looking old. He probably, he probably has no life in his eyes. 
His skin was probably dry. I bet he looked sickly. And I'm thinking, David, we used to be a mighty man of valor. How foolish you, how foolish of you to what? How foolish of unrepentance to dry him up. You go, Pastor, what's the point? Before we move on to our next point, guys, I want you to think about this. It's important for us to confess and repent and give it to God. Confess it. Repent. Listen, listen, Lord, it's all yours. Don't let unrepentance rob you of the adamant life God has promised you. God said, I came to give you life and life more abundantly. And guys, we hold on and we're like David. He's like, man, his heavy hand is upon me. Why? Because you won't confess. You won't come clean. You won't lay down the gauntlet and go, man, I am a mess up. God is not going to let you sin successfully. You're going to get busted. He busts us all the time. He loves us that much. And then we cry. I can't believe I'm going busted. It's like, no, that's a good thing. It's a good thing to get busted when you're sinning. Because now you can come clean. Now you can come clean. How so? The way of deliverance, point three. David says, I acknowledge my sin to you and my iniquity I've hidden. I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave me of my iniquity and of my sin, Selah. And for this cause, everyone who is godly shall pray to you in a time when you may be found. Surely in the flood of great waters, they shall not come near him. You are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You surround me with the songs of deliverance. Do you see what David's doing? Here's what David's saying, right? David's going, guys, then he says, man, I, I listen, here's the deal. I realized I had sinned. I was trying to hide it. My bones were getting old. My face, my skin was drying up. I didn't have any strength in me, didn't have any energy. Then I confessed my sin, he says. Then I confessed my sins to you. I did not conceal my wrongdoings. I decided to confess to you, and you forgave me my sins. So all your loyal people should pray to you in times of need. And that's what he's telling us, guys. We should come to him in times of need. When a great flood of trouble comes rushing in, it will not reach them, David says. You are my hiding place. You will save me from my trouble. I sing aloud of your salvation because you protect me. Guys, notice, David rejoices in getting busted by God. Do we? I think a lot of people do, right? You've heard those stories, right? You've heard those stories where where a man was having an affair and he kept hiding it and there was something wrong. And the wife goes, man, there's something, dear, there's something weird about you. And then it all comes to light and it's like finally goes, man, I'm... I'm glad it's out in the open because I can hold the guilt anymore. Honey, I'm so sorry. Whatever it might be, and that may not even be an affair. It might be, you might be doing something that you're hiding from your spouse or, or she's hiding from you. You're hiding from your parents. God says, no, 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 no. I, listen, listen. If you're my kid, pastor, I got away with it. Maybe you're not his kid, but if you're his kid, you're not going to get away with it. You're not going to get away with it, guys. You're not going to get away with it. And when you come clean, you go, finally, I can get this and I can live again. Why? He didn't create us to sin and keep it inside. He didn't create us that way. David rejoices. Now, 
There are a lot of people, church, that have a bad habit of rationalizing their sin. And we all struggle with the guilt of unconfessed sin in our hearts. And, and the reason and the only goal we have is so that we could have peace again. So in order to have peace, many deny what they've done or they find excuses or try to squirm out from under the responsibility or the consequences of their wrongdoing. You see what, you see what it is, guys? Many of us go, okay, we've, we've formed this habit of when we sin, we're going to cover it because we simply want peace in our heart and we don't know how to deal with it. We don't know how to deal with it God's way, so we'll do it with our way. And so what do we do? A lot of us find excuses. Well, let me tell you why I did that. Well, um, hmm. I, I didn't do it. And, and here's, here's the thing, guys. Listen. When we try to work hard to be good, we do that sometimes in order to compensate our mistakes. But well, when I'm totally messed up and I'm totally in, in errors, for David saying, I'm totally messed up, what we do is we try to, comp- we, I'm, I'm going to be good, I'm going to be good, I'm going to be good because I'm trying to what? First of all, I'm trying to compensate for my mistake. Can I get an amen? Are you guys with me? But I'm also trying to appease guilt. And that guilt eats away at our bones. Oh, oh. How much better to go, look, look, look Lord, I sinned against you, I Thank you for the cross. I sinned against you. And then go to that person and say, I sinned against you. Please forgive me. I am a believer. I am a Christian. I want to honor God. I want to honor his word. Pastor, pastor, come here. I don't know if I can do that. There's there's huge consequences. But it's... What what is the... David says, man, I was... I was walking like an old man. Bathsheba wouldn't even look at me anymore. I mean, I was, but when I confessed that, what happened, David? What happened? He says, well, then I found joy again. Well, what is confession to you, David? Well, confession is an act of honesty and courage. Did you hear me, church? It takes courage, right? It takes courage. Why? It's not an easy thing to do. It's not an easy thing to to reveal your shortcomings. It's not an easy thing to reveal your sins. If it was easy, we'd all be doing it. If it was easy, we didn't, and we and we just, it's not easy, but it takes courage. It takes courage, and it takes real men, and it takes real women to confess when they have done wrong. It does. I've learned that in my relationship with my wife. I've learned that. It takes real courage and it takes a real man to say, will you please forgive me? I've treated you. I've done whatever it might be. Because what you're doing, church, is now you're honoring God and now you're, you're saying, listen, I, I want to be set free from you. Not not in like I want to be set free, please leave, leave me alone. I want to be I want to be set free from the bondage that I've had this. I want to be set free. Last last point, guys, the joy of obedience. Look. David says, I will instruct you and teach you the ways you should go. 
I will guide you with my eyes. Do not be like the horse or the mule. Why? Which they have no understanding, which must be harnessed with a bit and a bridle. Else they will not come near you. Isn't that true? Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord, mercy shall surround him. Did you hear me? Be glad in the Lord, rejoice in righteousness, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. How can David say this? How can he, guys, how can he say this? You know why? Listen, listen. Because last week David said, create in me a clean heart. You know what that means? I mean, don't just clean what I got. Give me a new one. You know where David stood? Let me let me let me let you know a little secret. When David writes this, was Jesus on the scene? But he knew the salvation of the Lord. Look how much more you and I, knowing that Jesus died on the cross for us. I mean, this is this is this is amazing. Why? Because he says, listen, I know there's going to be sorrows to the wicked. I get that. But he who trusts in the Lord, mercy shall surround him. And you know what I want in this last days of our lives, guys? Mercy. Mercy, God, have mercy on me. In Psalm 51, verse 12, remember what David wrote last week? He said, restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. He, he says this. No, no, don't, don't. Hold on now. Stay with me. Okay? Because you're going, oh, it's getting late. He's almost done. Make me willing to obey you. What do you think he's trying to say here to the Lord? Lord, I need your help. Obedience doesn't come natural to me. It doesn't come easy to me. I need your help. Restore to me the joy of salvation. Church, listen, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, there should be joy in your life. There should be overwhelming joy. Here's why. Listen, listen. Because one day, here's what the Bible says, we're going to be doing our business. We're going to be shopping at the grocery store. We're going to be at the bank. We're going to be at work. And something in your spirit, you're going to hear this trumpet and the, the voice of an archangel. And you're going to look up, and you, I, don't know, I don't know the experience. I'm just thinking, you're going to, boom. The dead in Christ shall rise first, and we were alive will remain and be caught up together to meet the Lord forever. Probably say forever. Isn't that cool? Right? So it's going to happen. And so we should be, we should be, we should be high-fiving each other, don't you think? Why? Because we get to go home soon. We get to go home soon. Listen, I don't want to go home because I'm stressed out down here. I want to go home because I love Jesus. There's always going to be stress down here. It's a mess. I want to go home because I'm ready to go home. I'm homesick. Anybody homesick? Any of you homesick? I'm homesick. I'm ready to go. What's it going to be like? I don't know, but it's going to be great. What the color is going to be like? I don't know. But I know what Jesus tells me. He says there's going to be streets of gold. And there'll be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more tears, no more drama. 
There won't be any earthquakes. There won't be any deaths. Mexico, how many now? 200 or more? I, I was thinking about them today. Guys, they were busy just doing life. They weren't expecting a building to fall on them. Be ready. Let me close with this, guys. Let me close with this. Summing up forgiveness. What is forgiveness? The entire Bible points to Jesus Christ. His divine mission is to save us from our sins. The Apostle, Paul, the Apostle Peter sums it up like this. You ready? Just listen up. And we apostles are witnesses of all that he did through Judea and Jerusalem. And they put him to death by hanging him on the cross. But God raised him to life on the third day. Then God allowed him to appear, not to the general public, but to whom God has chosen in advance to be witnesses. We were those who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he ordered us to preach everywhere and testify that Jesus is the appointed one by God to be the judge of all, the living and the dead. And he is the one all the prophets testified about saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. Do you believe in him? Is your faith and trust in the God that loves you and cares for you and he's forgiven you completely? Listen, listen, there's not much time left. Not much time left. Listen, I'm not the doomsday preacher, but I'm telling you, let's be ready, okay? I want all of you to come on Sunday with a crink in your neck. You go, why? Because you keep looking up. Today, Lord? Today? What if, can you imagine if all of us were like this? People be like, what are you doing? Might be today. What a great opportunity to witness, right? But are you ready? Let me ask you this. Are your sins forgiven? Are you here and do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that your sins are forgiven? Washed clean. Do you have the joy of salvation? Do you go, oh, man. Do you know? Do you know, church? Listen, do you know tonight that if the rapture took place or if you take your final breath, do you have the assurance of salvation that your sins are forgiven? Do you have that? You go, Pastor, I do. I do. I say, amen. Here's our motto. You ready? Here's our motto in these last days. Our last days could be anywhere from a day to 500 years. Here's our motto. For me to live is Christ. To die or be raptured is gain. So while we're here, we're going to work. And we're just going to look. We're going to be ready. We're going to be ready. Are you ready? Are you ready? Have you given your heart to Jesus once and for all? Is there some unconfessed sin that you need to get right with God? Listen, you don't have to confess it to me, but get right with him. We got five minutes. Josh is going to lead us in a worship song, maybe two. This would be your time to just get right with God. Father, we thank you for your word tonight and the truth in your word. My heart, Lord, is simple, that all would believe and that all would come to know you and all our sins forgiven and that we would stand here ready to receive you, Jesus, 
and ready to go home. And my prayer right now is with every eye closed and every head bowed, if there's anyone here that says, Pastor, I don't know. I, I just, I don't, I don't know. You're talking about, you're talking about forgiveness and, and I don't know if my sins are forgiven, but I want to know. I, I want to know. I want to be, I want to be cleansed. I don't, I don't, I don't want any unforgiveness in my heart. I don't, I want the joy of salvation like I see everybody else have. What do I need to do? What do I need to do? Well, let me tell you this, man. You're in, you're so blessed that God, he, he brought you to church tonight and he wants to give you an opportunity. But he's serious about it. He's not just looking for people to go, hey, you raised your hand. He's looking for you to be right with Jesus Christ. So with every eye closed and every head bowed, if you're here today and you go, Pastor, pray for me. I don't know if I'm saved or not, but I want to be. I want to be saved. I've played with God for so long now. I don't even, I don't even want to play games with him anymore. I want to be right, right now. You preach that message. It's forgiveness, the cross. I'm in. I'm in. If God is speaking to your heart, not me, if God is speaking to your heart, here's what I want you to do. I want you simply to lift up your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. That's all you got to do. Just lift up your hand right now and go, Pastor, pray for me. I, I want to be right with Jesus. I want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I'm saved, that I'm saved, that I'm saved, that I'm saved. Will you do that right now? God is speaking to your heart. This is your time. Do you know? Do you know? Do you know? Are your sins forgiven? And I, I, I listen, if, if, if we're all saved, I say amen. Amen. But I wanted to give you an opportunity. Do you know that now is not the time to play with, play around? Now is not the time to play church, but it's to get right with the God that loves you and created you. All you have to do is go, Pastor, pray for me. Nobody will see it. Just lift up your hand. I'll see it and God will see it. Do that right now. Lord, we thank you, we worship you, we praise you. We love you. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.